Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B I Z A R O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's or uh, on Spotify or anywhere else you grow yourself through listening to podcasts. So, with that being said, I'm going to jump right into it. We have Kelsey Madro from Fork and Fry Poutine from just outside Chicago, Illinois slash Wisconsin, because anyone who's ever driven that knows like Chicago literally borders like right up to the border of Wisconsin. So that's kind of cool. And like, there's a lot of shared um, things right there across the border, almost like countries would be in Europe. So how are you doing today, Kelsey? I am so good. I'm so happy to be here with you. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation like before we got on and just being able to talk to you um, from the standpoint of like it brings me back to a place I used to live. Anyone, there was a brief period of my life like as an entrepreneur and transitioning out of college, not sure if I wanted to be in Maryland uh, and I spent some time in Wisconsin uh, living. So like you're right there. So Lake Geneva, if anyone knows, like Gosh, I mean, I think about the baseball games, just both the Cubs and the White Sox and, and just how much culture is there in the city. So very cool. Thank you. Kelsey, let's talk about your story. Um, where, where are you from? How'd you end up in food? And how'd you end up with a food truck? Um, so I actually am from Illinois. Um, I wanted to be a mountain kid, um, forever. Um, I competed in snowboarding and so kind of took me out West. Um, and I did, um, I studied business and I, um, was in a lot of entrepreneurship classes when I was in college, just trying to obtain my degree. Um, I, when I was 18, I got diagnosed with, uh, celiac. Um, so I am full on gluten-free and um, when it did hit me, it was in college, so it was really hard to eat at the dorms, eat out, pretty much eat anything that dealt with eating. It was really hard for me. Um, so I worked in food. Well, obviously. and you're in college, and beer is your enemy at that point, right? If you're celiac, like they're like beer is your enemy. Yeah, beer. Beer's man. Pretty much anything. Like going out to parties is hard. Um, just like the whole consistency of energizing myself and feeling myself up for what the day encountered. Um, and so, um, when I was working in college, I was working two different food jobs. Um, every single kitchen that I ever worked in made me sick, um, to the point of like swollen fingers and like hives to my face and, um, just kind of chaos. And I knew that I wanted to transform that um, kind of like worriedness and sickness and the worry of like eating out and the guilt behind that. And like if I did get sick, how how much it would affect me for like later, later down the road. Um, so I came home because I was working my life away at a, at a corporation, um, obviously in food. And um, after many months of uh, my like leaders in my current role told me I couldn't do it. I found a food truck on eBay and I messaged the seller to see if it was a scam. <laughs> so let's go back for a second. Are you, are you still there, Kelsey? I, yeah. 
I, I just want to pause for a second just because I, there's a lot of hurdles here that I need to go back and just identify just because I think they're important. One is um, um, one of my fraternity brothers, like a, a good friend for a majority of years, probably into my 30s, so like 20 years of my life, fraternity brother, and we're still, I would say, close now, but he had the same thing like when we were in college, the the missing of classes, the not knowing what was going on, the figuring out what it was celiac, the embarrassment, the trying to figure out what works, the trying apple ciders, the um, even just going into the cafeteria and breaking out in hives. And so like there's things like that that I just like it's hard and I don't think people realize or humans realize how hard it is when something like that starts happening to someone. It didn't happen to me, so I can't say from firsthand experience. But I can say from the experiences I've watched someone like try to deal with it and um, and just their body like it's and he was my roommate <clears throat> for two years, the last two years of college when all of this was going on. And it just it changes who you are. So one of the things that I that I agree with you on um, and one of the things that I know from being not not only in the restaurant side but on the mass production side and going into hospitals is that when there's when celiac is is literally that sensitive like we had we have to be conscious of how we organized all the wheat in our facilities and make sure they didn't go near anything else or anything that went to the to those patients with under those dietary restrictions and so um It's not a joke. It's a very big thing. And if, if you saw the way in the business that we were in for 24 years that I'm just recently out of, that you have to watch all allergies like this because you're in a hospital, so you already have compromised patients. But celiac, things like nut allergies, like they're so severe that they can cause death, especially if a person's already compromised. So I just want to weigh how important it is that this is going on and I'm going to say it this way it's horrible that it's going on to you but there's a weird thing that's happening that maybe it's happening for you in the mission that you're on because so everyone said you couldn't do a food truck explain that to me like you shouldn't do it. where were they what did you mean by that um so when I was um I was like an advanced cook for um for Vail Resorts um in California Um, and all of the people above me, um, would always like try and, um, try and sell me on like, you know, if you take a couple of leadership classes, you know, we'll give you 50 cents or we'll give you a raise, we'll give you a buck raise. And I worked so hard that even if I did get a raise, I was working too much to even enjoy where I lived. Um, so I told them, you know, like I'm, I have a lot of interest in food. I want to see, I want to be able to move. I want to be able to pick up and go somewhere new. And the place that I was at, um, I was in North Lake Tahoe and they just said, you know, it's kind of unfeasible with you're a college student, you're fresh out of college, you know, you don't, you, you barely have enough capital to even like, you know, pay for your car rent and your car lease and, um, pretty much just like barreling me down and telling me that I wasn't, I was never going to accomplish something as like significant as that. Oh, wow. And, um, <clears throat> why didn't you listen to them? Um, because I thought I could do it better and their <laughs> leadership 
roles and their way of going about things was completely different. It was more like corporate, um, like the, you know, big brothers watching, whereas like I could take something and if I fail, it's my fault. And I like this. Um, you, one of the, the strongest points you just made is exactly that. Like if I'm going to fail, it's on me. Like if, we're going to fail, you're going to put it on me anyway, because that's just the way things work sometimes in corporate environments when you get in these structures. And um, so like at some point you're taking a risk, but the risk versus the reward when you're betting on yourself is so much more. And this is very true. Like everyone's always like, what do you do with the money? Well, I invest it back in myself. Okay. Like always, always. Like I don't care how bad it is or what kind of valley I'm in financially or what I go through because of the economics in the world because as an entrepreneur, you, those economic waves, they can hurt. But there are really opportunities in those waves. And why I'm saying that is because for Kelsey at this point is no different than the down point when all of a sudden COVID happens and you have a down wave. Life can knock you down. People can knock you down. Economies can knock you down. The environment can knock you down. And it's that attitude, I can do it better than this, right? The opportunity is in doing it better and providing a better solution. So let's talk about the food truck. You, everyone said it was too good to be true. This person was selling it, they didn't want it. So like, how do you go about like, you've got it in your head and you sound like, okay, it's in my head. Um, uh, For lack of a better term, dog on a bone, which I'm the same way. And I'm going to get this truck. So how do you, what are the next steps? You call the person, you like, how do you even go about the idea of getting a food truck and where do you, why not in California? Why back in uh, Illinois where you're from? Um, so I did it here um, mostly so that I could have the support of my, my family. Um, my dad is probably one of my biggest supporters. If he's not there cheering me on, he's, cutting potatoes right next to me or trying to fill in for labor lossage and um, just always trying to make it work, whether that be like the short end of the stick or going to get product for me. Um, he has definitely, I don't know if it's more of like a sheltered way of like growing me up or like um, kind of like showing me the way of like how to get things done and how to meet people and um, communicate um, but he has definitely helped me and he's got like a team of, um, laborers, we call them as, so they can like help fix stuff and, um, help me when I need it. Um, so that's why I kind of, I did it here. Um, and then the food truck, um, I had just found it. Um, I think it was march of 2019 i found this um truck he this guy out of florida builds them as like a side gig and um he had all the spec sheets out and i gave him a call and he was totally authentic and i was like this is so weird i this needs to happen so we kind of um we agreed on a time and a place we'd meet i flew down to florida I signed the contract, I signed the bill of sale, and I ended up picking it up like a month later with all the um, the equipment that we ended up putting into it. He kind of specialized it to what I needed, and we went from there. Okay, so you're on this mission. We, we have this celiac thing that's going on, like life has done done this for you, and 
really I'm going to say this because like in my opinion these happen these things happen it's like um we have these obstacles in life but they unleash our superpowers or our purpose in life and give us the ability to be truly achieve excellence in life which is have purpose in chasing something because if we don't have that initial obstacle whatever it is um you don't have the purpose so you've now got the trailer we we have the celiac thing going on you're like and you uh, let's talk about the third thing which is everyone telling you that you can't do it or it can't be done so you've got all three of these things now you've turned around on themselves and you're like i'm going to do something that meets my type of dietary restriction or my lifestyle let's talk about it because it's not a diet at this point it's your entire life and I'm going to show everyone that I can do this and I'm going to do it better. And now I've got the support of my family. So you designed this thing, you flew to Florida, like what happens next? How do you come up with a brand? How do you come up with what you're going to serve? How do you start coming up with menu items? Like where does this all uh, start snowballing? Um, so I kind of cultivated this like I wanted to do something that was like a niche in the community. I kind of, um, you know, researched around what all the, um, all the restaurants near me were doing. We have a lot of train stuff, so it's, it's easy. It's like not, um, it's not easy to find like an original brand, um, that's got fun, unique names and what I wanted to sell. And I love French fries. So, um, I looked up and I love gravy don't get me wrong. So good. Um, so I looked up pretty much how to make gravy gluten-free. Um, and then it kind of just spiraled off of there. I looked up, you know, different things you could put on French fries, like loaded French fries. Uh, um, I had like a, a barbecue pulled pork at a carnival one time and it was so amazing. I just remember the flavor of the pork and just kind of wanted to create like a fresh, like fresh made to order fries that you never could imagine. And um, the menu items are pretty simple, self-explanatory in terms of like the menu names or like the individual names themselves. But um, I like to pull like weird stuff together that I might have tried like on a burger or on a pizza or something um, like in my, in my, um, pre gluten life, gluten free life. And so let's talk about that. How do you like what you're, <clears throat> you've removed the gluten from the gravy. You've got the fries. Let's talk about how you pile things on. Let's talk about the options, like exactly what the menu items are. And out of all of them, what are your favorite? And if is the favorite, the same one, that's the best seller or, and you customize for weddings and catering and stuff like that. I mean, how does it all work? Because it's there's so many things a food trailer can do. And even though it seems like you're limited with celiac, it actually opens up a door of a whole other creativity. So let's talk about all of those things. Okay. Um, so the menu, um, so we're only a poutine and French fry truck. So we are specialty in that, and that's pretty much... Um, all we do except for like winter stuff is a little bit different. Um, but as for the fries go, our simple, like our, our most basic menu that we have um, consists of fries. We use a white cheddar cheese curd um, from Wisconsin. And then our gravy, 
is actually no longer homemade. It's a bulk gravy that's also vegetarian and vegan. Um, and it's made by Noor and it's, um, it's a brown gravy. It's made from like pea flour and a bunch of like onion and uh, vegetable extracts and powders and all the yumminess. It tastes like grandma's gravy at Thanksgiving. It's pretty good. Um, That's awesome. And, <laughs> um, just so since, you know, obviously I'm sure you know that food costs have gone up. So we have kind of narrowed down our meat choices to just like um, we use an andouille sausage um, or bacon. And then that goes into our veggies. We normally just do like a chopped green onion, chopped red onion. Um, we do like a garlic and then jalapenos as basic. Obviously, the stuff that we do for the weddings is all, they either have like their staples that I just explained. Otherwise, we do specials of the yang. Any cuisine you can think of, we pretty much have probably done a french fry according to that. We do uh, dessert fries, like I have a s'more fry or like uh, an apple pie fry on sweet potato fries. Oh, that's Pretty awesome. Much. So explain those desserts because I think those are your really like unique items. Obviously, all of them are unique because you've basically deconstructed food and then rebuilt it onto a French fry, But which I love which is one of the yeah. things that really attracted when I was like, oh my gosh, that's like deconstructing other food and then building back onto a French fry. That's the way it should be done. It's another starch. So you can take out starches that are um, celiac sensitive and put in starches that aren't. So let's talk about the desserts. Okay. That sound fascinating. <laughs> You're like, I'm in. <laughs> Always. Um, so the dessert ones, um, kind of came later. I always, I love sweet potato fries. I think they're so unique and they have so much flavor, but they're really hard to F up. Um, so we, we used to cut our own and they would just burn so instant. And I didn't, I didn't want to be the one that pulls it out the window is like, here you are. I can't put something like that on the out to customers. So we switched over to, it's like a, a organic sweet potato frozen fry, but it's gluten-free and has all those good health benefits to it. it. They're more expensive, but they definitely, the taste is perfect, especially for like a, a dessert fry. Um, we actually haven't really brought them, brought them out um, unless for special events since before COVID because everything... Um, during that time, you can only get like so, like um, a certain quantity. <laughs> well, that's interesting. So let's talk about like you opened this in 2019, I believe you said, which gives you yeah. about a year and a half, year and three months max. Because I don't know when in 2019, if you started in January, you had literally it was March like 14, 15, 16, 17, somewhere around there that everything closed because it was right before St. Patty's Day that all of a sudden the whole world just stopped. Because I, rem I can remember it just like because we were about to do St. Patty's Day meals in all the hospitals, which is one of our biggest ones in long-term care homes, which is the corned beef and the, oh, uh, yeah, the cabbage and all that. So we still did it, but all of a sudden the world shut down and it was like, what's going on here? And so like, what did you do? Like how, you're just starting this business, like a food truck, I guess on in one hand it's set up to succeed. But on another hand, you're just starting a business. And I have no idea what Illinois was like during this time. 
Yeah, it was scary. It was a lot of, um, I remember watching the news and them saying that, you know, you had to have a pass to, to go between states and you needed like kind of a, like a work permit almost from your employee, your employer saying that you could like be out and about or like that your job was like a special job that required transportation and like you need it, you needed to be out there versus like, I was like, well, I'm just trying to, you know, go to this brewery and sell some poutine before everyone is like freaking out. And there was a lot of people not even like going outside anymore. And it was, you know, the, the world was ending. I Yes, I remember. I, <laughs> I remember very well. And like the restaurants were the enemies for trying to still serve food and we're all the enemy and I'm like, I'm still just trying to get food into the hospitals to save the same patients you're trying to bring medical supplies to. Why are you so mad at me and why are you so mad at my employees? Like they're just trying to do their job, which is in the hospitals and was with food. But it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. I was just like, I like this was one of those times where I'm like, wow, you're really mad at us. And I'm like, doing the right thing here and you just cannot see it like it was just like one of those things like I wasn't doing medicine and I was just doing food and even though it was food to the hospitals people saw us as just a a restaurant breaking the rules I'm like everyone needs food the restaurants still need to serve food if you stop the flow of money through food which is the majority just so everyone's aware like the rotation of money and how it flows through the world and the employees and the taxes and and the way and how important it is that that constantly move is mainly attached to food so yeah there's that and it's mostly how your economy spin in your towns and your neighborhoods and whatever is actually around food um how you guys spend the food from whatever other jobs you have if you're not in food so um let's talk about what, how did you adjust? And I, I, I jumped in, but how did you adjust the menu? How do you adjust? Did you go to delivery services? I mean, did you still try to go set up places? I mean, what's your mindset right now? Like everyone is sort of panicking, but you're like, I still have a business to run. And I st- still had everyone who told me I wasn't going to succeed. So I still have to prove them wrong. Right. Um, it was a lot of trial by error. Um, There's still those breweries that were offering um, like pickup beer service. Um, so I kind of just um, like piggybacked off that. Um, when people would come and pick up their beer, they would come and pick up poutine or whatever for the family that night. Um, and then when it was the dead of the dead, when like nothing was allowed at all, um, I started doing poutine kits. So um, it was kind of like a delivery service. People would, um, I would create this bag of uh, frozen fries, the gravy that makes it, and then like cheese curds and whatever other plan they chose and pretty much uh, put it in like a refrigerated bag and deliver it. Um, so that was kind of a big hit for a while. Um, and then when things did start getting released and people were still wearing masks, obviously um, we started doing what's called like a neighborhood pop-up and everybody that was stuck at home during the day from their jobs or just the kids that were stuck at home, um, they would, they wouldn't have to leave their neighborhood. People would just line up on the street and order food and go enjoy it either at home or at the park, socially distanced, of course, 
<laughs> I mean, I that's interesting because I've heard a lot of other food trucks do that where they would actually just go right into the neighborhoods and then serve dinner in the neighborhood for the evening and it became a big thing and I think it's brilliant, number one. Number two is how else are you supposed to do it? Like at some point people aren't, they still go out to the grocery store. That's the thing that blew my mind. Everyone still has to go get groceries. They still might need groceries delivered, but they can't go to a restaurant. And it's just, it, things just we did were so backwards. So so you make it, I like the poutine kits. I, I like the idea of the service. So you get through COVID, like let's talk about, um, well, the shutdown at least. And so when things start lightening up, like how do you start bringing back business? How do you make, actually you do such a good job. I feel like probably during COVID that when you get out of COVID life sort of opened up. So what does that look like? Were people appreciative of you that you serve food during that time? Once COVID was over, did you find your business booming or? Yeah, I think it, I think it helped guided it into like a more like a blossom. Like I, I was affected by COVID, but I made it work so that we were still gaining recognition for what we do and um, where you could find us. And if you were, you know, like a celiac or you had, you needed us for a party, like we would still make it work for you regardless of the situation. And so that kind of helped us kind of bring the, bring us out of um, COVID. But I think even the year after that, like that was when, most businesses like got hit by COVID during COVID. We got hit by COVID like the year after. Okay. So explain that. that. Explain that what you mean by that. Um, just kind of like the retaliation, like people wanted to, people wanted to get back to the restaurants that they had been missing for so long. And they're like, well, yeah, you've been here the whole time. So it, well, you're going to be here when, you know, when we're bored of the restaurants. And so I think people wanted to be out more and, um, be at the concerts and be at the things that sometimes the food trucks weren't allowed to like supporting restaurants and bars instead of, um, focusing on like the little guys. It's interesting that you say that because I, I don't know who I was talking to, but someone else said something similar, like the food trucks did really well and they moved around, but then there was almost like so much support for the restaurants that the food trucks got left behind during the second wave of when they started to open things up, cities like New York, for example. And um, and so I understand that as well. And humans, like we don't eat the same way we do anymore. And while we spend a lot of money, um, probably more money than we did eating out than we did before. Actually, the percentage that goes to the kitchens and to the restaurants is less. We're just spending more money because we're paying for delivery service and delivery fees and all of those things as consumers. So just an interesting, weird fact. We've put another layer in there, and while it's helpful and it's convenient, it actually lessens the margins for the restaurants. So it's no different than what we've done to farmers like since industrialization, which is put in these layers that end up where they make less money. And I just, it's not that it's bad, it's just that we haven't figured out how to make it right yet because as consumers, we're paying more, but it's actually not going to the food. It's going to the in-between, not like it's not creating jobs or whatever. Let's not get in that argument. I'm just saying it's not helping the restaurants and stuff as much as we think it is on the bottom line. It does help them get business. It does help them get through things like COVID. And in today's day, day and age, I don't know how you don't use a delivery service. We've talked about a few po podcasts that the people or the humans and entrepreneurs are use creating their own delivery services. But 
I don't know how individuals or humans don't use delivery service anymore. Like it's people are on DoorDash nonstop. Like I can't tell you how many friends I talk to. They're like, oh, I'm ordering DoorDash on my way home to meet or Uber Eats or whatever it is on my way home. I mean, that's just the way it is. So um, restaurant or food truck, I feel like they're both in that space now. So like as you're mobile, do you use delivery services? Like how does that work? Um, so like food truck wise, like if we're in the food truck, you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we actually don't, um, I don't have a delivery service just because, um, if the fries that we make, they sit out for longer than like five minutes, they just turn to trash. So I don't, I don't see what good it would be to offer a delivery service because I don't want to serve food like that. Cool. Um, So I like this. So you're like, okay, I'm not using delivery services. So, and I agree with you about like trying to maintain the quality. So you're just like, my goal is to have people eat my food within five minutes, correct? Yeah. It's more like eat, eat while you're there. Um, I do for like the to go stuff. I, I will like, obviously a lot of people take it to go. Um, it's just the fact that like, I don't want to have to explain to everybody like, Hey, your fries are going to get cold. You might want to heat them up. I don't know. Not like eat them cold. But some people are dumb, but <laughs> more so like I would separate the items to take so they can take it to go so they can heat it up themselves. Yeah, I agree with you actually. And that's probably what you were doing when you were doing the to go uh, during COVID, which is like the, would you call it the poutine kits? Yeah, poutine kit. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So Kelsey, let's take a little step outside of things like what are your inspirations in life like what keeps you going um where what is your ultimate purpose like where where do you feel like what really keeps you going and and driven and showing up to work every day um that one is deep (laughs) um so i mean ultimately i feel like i was put on this planet to do what i'm doing to create an alternative for people that can't eat out normally um so whether that be like baking at home and you know bringing it to the church or cooking on the food truck or inspiring others to do what i did to just pick up with nothing and try to establish a brand and get followers and influence people to live their best and not be a workaholic and enjoy the finer things. Um, I think ultimately my whole family has always been workaholics and we've always missed out on a lot, but but we've always enjoyed a lot. Um, And I just think the opportunity to, to build yourself up, but also to, make time for yourself and others. Um, That's where I want to be. And success is not really like a place. I think it's more of like an experience and all the things that all the memories that you acquire and all the people that you meet kind of to create this, like, I don't know, just like kind of a, a positive outlook on life. I feel like life gets really hard and it's not always going to be easy, but you just have to think about, you know, I want there to be a tomorrow and I want to make tomorrow a better than today. Um, I think especially now 
over the past couple of years, I mean, they say your small business is going to get easier over five years or it gets easier, but it really doesn't. It just, you learn how to adapt and you learn how to keep moving forward. I've never heard that before, but I totally disagree. In every single business I've ever started, it always continues to get harder because the more longer your business is in um, business and successful, the more comfortable everyone gets or they think it's just, it's going to keep going that way forever. And it gets harder to make decisions and people become more loyal and it's harder to get rid of them if they make a mistake, if they've been there for five years and um, or they change their attitude or life changes or whatever, they suddenly become entitled. Like that stuff happens and you've got to manage all of it so it doesn't. So I don't think it gets any easier. Uh, even more employees, more bills, more. And I'm not saying it as a deterrent. I'm just saying that I would say it doesn't get necessarily harder. It, it comes in waves. There's easy parts and hard parts, but consistently it's always the same. It's just like when man invented vacuum cleaner or woman or whatever. Um, it didn't make us have more time. We just filled the time with something else. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a relative statement. And um, so I like that. Uh, let's talk about like your family. Like you have a lot of support there. Like are they involved in the food truck? Do they help work it with you? Like how do you find people or is it, you know, what do your team members look like? Um, et cetera, I guess. Um, so actually my dad is the only one that's, um, been truly supportive, um, from the beginning. Um, my mom doesn't have a role in my life and, um, my brother is probably one of the, per- the people that, um, looked down my, on my business the most. Um, so it's just my brother, just my dad. Um, he sometimes helps on the food truck. He's kind of, um, technology illiterate as, um, one might say, he's not very, he doesn't like to learn things. <laughs> so he he kind of just stands by and watches. Otherwise, he's the man, the, the man with the labor. So he'll bring in extra help to move equipment or unload trailers or move trailers, all that manly stuff, as one might say. This is not not a a place (laughs) yeah i mean we're just this podcast is so far off of where we we are but i agree with you like just some of the things you need more uh stronger help with so yeah he's um, there so um gosh kelsey i don't even know like i know what you're talking about i know the hardship like i have siblings and i know Um, the lack of support and I have parents and I know that they've been very supportive in developing but I also know that there's been extreme lack of support or belief or even at times like not even understanding that I was born to be an entrepreneur still to this day sometimes they're like oh god it'd be so much easier if you just took all those skills and took a corporate job I'm like wait what I worked with you for 24 years what do you mean go work a corporate job are you out of your mind I would die there you I would die I would, I would die. It'd be but straight I, death. And I'm like, they're like, how? I'm like, I don't know. Just misery. I don't, I can't work for someone else. It's not who I am. I can't deal with the restrictions. But to them, and even to my family members who just like make transitions out of family companies and in and out of corporate environments, I'm just like, it's not like it totally goes against my calling. It feels like I'm going off track. And if I had purpose, like, oh, I'm going to go learn what DoorDash is doing because that's what food's doing, or I'm going to go work in a restaurant because I want to learn this new type of food, 
that to me I could do like corporately okay but it's with intent and with purpose but to just go take a white collar job and push paper with it's hard for me because I always find that those individuals never work as hard as the individuals in their company and only entrepreneurs like truly 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 entrepreneurs not proprietors not businessmen whatever true entrepreneurs will actually work in their businesses forever no matter what and no matter whether it's cleaning toilets or whether it's whatever there's nothing that's too good for them and one of the ones that i think that kind of encompasses a little bit is elon musk is a very humble person i don't know what it is or what he does everywhere else and i don't know a lot about him but there's a weird humility about him that he's very involved in things and very grounded and so i think that he might be a person that gets involved in this business but at this point he's not going to create rocket science anymore right so He's not going to be the guy putting people into space, but he is building relationships with people. So I think that that's what he probably does and why everyone knows him so well and why he's been able to do what he does is he's actually really good at building relationships. So from that, I'm going to say this. Um, One of the things that entrepreneurs do is they believe in each other because no one else believes in them and they know what it's like to have individuals um, not believe in them. And what I mean by true entrepreneurs, and that's also that true entrepreneurs understand that others have to grow around them and the environments around them have to be growing with those individuals in order for them to grow in order for them and their environment to grow and their business to grow like food has to be constantly evolving has to be constantly growing has to be constantly in the forefront so we can all have employees so we can all have people work for us so we can all have enough food coming through like a cisco or us foods where we're not having food held or all of a sudden one day i can't get pork or eggs or whatever was going on because that is going on right now and that's what i'm talking about and so one of the things that that happens is the it's another hardship but it's almost like this badge of honor that we end up wearing when we're with other entrepreneurs and I don't I'm not trying to single us out or make us pretend we're different I think it's also what happens when in my experience um, when alcoholics go through AA and they really grab onto the program and they're sober they're almost like a superpower difference in them like it's not only are they the complete opposite of being when they were an alcoholic or whatever but they're giving and they're creating and they're giving back so much that they're almost like levels above the humans that they were below before for lack of a better term and no one's below or above so those aren't the right terms but we knock ourselves down through family patterns and alcoholism and whatever else so that's what i'm referring to but it's the same thing here like you keep getting knocked down you don't have a lot of support but you keep rising up right you keep yeah there's a perseverance and one of the things that i i'm going to do and i there's a lot of individuals on the podcast but i'm going to hook you up uh, and put you in the group with like a lot of other women entrepreneurs that are in here as well as the guy entrepreneurs that have been in exactly your same shoes because you're not alone and i know there's probably times that you're alone Believe me, I've been there where I'm like, is anyone else feel this right now? I just had everyone kick the crap out of me. And I've had like 12 years of success. I'm like, is there a sign on my back that just says kick the crap out of me? Like, don't believe in me, even though I've already proven myself. And that was even harder is as you start proving yourself, people still don't believe in you. And even as you have proved yourself, people don't believe you. And if you keep proving yourself enough, even the people that don't believe you, if you keep trying to prove yourself to too many people now, and I've made this mistake where I lined up too many people to prove myself to, 
it became too much about proving myself and not enough about doing the solution. So that's just a note there just for anyone out there on a negative side. But the other side of it is, is that I have so many people that over time you do succeed when you figure out how to use the energy properly, like you're doing, like Kelsey's doing, she's doing it productively. She's staying focused on her goal, not revenge, not spite, just like, Hey, I don't get a lot of support. It's just the way it is. I can, I can do this on my own and you can win. I mean, you're all alone doing this. I mean, it's gotta be scary at points I can imagine. And I've been there. So like, how do you deal with day-to-day stuff? Like the ups and downs of the business, the, the financial hiccups, if food doesn't come in or you have food, I mean, mentally it's not easy, but how do you deal with life and, and running a business when you're having food shortages and clients and you're basically the only one and have support, but very little support? Um, I realize that there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of things that are, that are going to be out of my control. Um, and I've learned over the past couple of years to let it go. Um, you don't have to let it ruin your day. If something is off, um, you have to kind of confront the situation and play out in your head, how you think the day is going to go and how you're going to overcome the problem that is in front of you. Um, most days, um, I mean, things can go away in a matter of seconds. Um, if you ask any food truck owner, um, between equipment, um, electric, pretty much anything that you can think of in a kitchen or in a restaurant, um, can, it does happen. Um, it's kind of how you deal with it and how you don't let it affect the rest of your day or it, you don't let it affect your staff. Um, as long as you like are calm, cool and collected, I feel that everything will just fall out. Like everything will fall into place. And that one missing thing or whatever you don't have or whatever you're lacking, um, it can be filled in with something else, just extra customer service that day, or you're, you're kicking it on, um, you know, your times or you're getting everybody taken care of your, just doing one thing extra to fill in for whatever is happening. And if, if you can't make it work, if if you have to cancel, then not guilt tripping yourself over that either, because a lot of stuff just happens that can't be fixed in a timely manner. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I can be extra hard on myself. Um, just as an entrepreneur, like I hate letting people down or I make a promise and I want to keep them. And, and my word means a lot. So when I mess up or life happens and we, you don't hold them, it can be so hard because you're trying your business and your reputation and your character. And so I totally get that, but I agree with you. It's just like, you know, I do this thing every time it happens is like I take very deep breaths and I try to slow down my thinking as quickly as possible because getting reactionary, getting too fast, everyone else is getting that way. So I have to actually put myself so far in the opposite direction to counteract all the energy that's wound up that's coming at me that I naturally do it right away. Like it's almost as someone talks to me, they know I'm not going to respond anymore because I have to like I have to get my body in perfect physiological form, for lack of a better term, to handle what's going on. And that's years of experience, but I agree with you. The composure, um, I even use triggers now, just so everyone's aware, like in the audience, I 
Pavlov's dog and the ringing of the bell, like we're still animals, we can condition ourselves, where I will actually rub the center of my chest three times, like just with my hand lightly, like I'm like patting myself on the back, except it's on the chest, like, cause I can't do that to myself. Like the same yeah. comfort someone would give me when they rub your back to be okay. I'll actually yeah. do it to myself. Like I'm rubbing my back, but it's my chest and giving myself comfort to make sure that I calm myself down and um, and that I'm ready to it because I can already do it. I'm already naturally that way, but I need to reduce my heart rate like down to like 30 beats a minute because sometimes like there's so many people coming at you. And what I found is just because I like this topic is in my personal relationships too, when I've not used this method that it can go just array just the same way. So as entrepreneurs gaining this skill, this life skill, like literally catapults through our entire life, um, for lack of a better term, not catapult, I guess, shoots its way, lines yeah. itself. Catapult's not the right word, but I'm not very good at sayings. So um, Kelsey, what are the things you dislike the most about like being an entrepreneur? Like, you know, is it accounting? I'll give you an example. Everyone always says that, but what are the things you like, dislike the most? And what are the things you enjoy the most? Like your day-to-day stuff? Um, one of the things I enjoy most is prepping. Um, I get to just jam out to music and not answer any questions and just tune out, <laughs> cut some veggies and stuff. Um, and also I would say, um, getting to know my staff um over the past couple of years we are all like family um and so it makes it really easy to go in and work and just have a good time and um attend to any issues but for the most part just have a good time and get food out um so that's probably one of the best um things and then the least um is probably um, never saying no, um, is like one of my biggest things. I'm, if I, if I am, if I'm not doing anything, I think I should be working. Um, so therefore I always just, I'm always putting, um, just trying to get other stuff done during the day. I'm never not working. Um, as they say, so I'm, um, it's kind of easy to be a workaholic and, um, I don't, put my relationships first, um, like in my personal life. So I think that's, um, one of the, the things that I don't have going for me. Um, but I think, um, as hopefully the days get easier and putting, um, responsibility on someone else for once would, would definitely benefit me. Uh, I'm in you're not alone Kelsey just so you know I mean I can't tell you how exactly like that like the workaholic thing for me like my family that way as well and it's sort of genetically into me or whatever by association being born an entrepreneur and I don't know how to say this but I get a lot of reward and self-confidence and I don't know what it is my bucket gets filled off of hard work and constantly working and my bucket gets filled off of athletics and being an athlete the same way and growing humans, but it's all work. I mean, by the traditional sense, I don't see it as work anymore, but one of the things I have a problem with is I can I can very easily, like even last night, like I think it was probably like 12.30 in the morning, like, and I had already been up by six in the morning, 
but I had meetings and talking about photo shoots and like new marketing and advertising for the podcast. And I'm trying to like, now that we have content going in and we're actually releasing an episode today, I'm like, let's do this. But next thing you know, it's 1230 at night and I have to be up at six o'clock in the morning again. And what five and a half hours of sleep, am I really going to be good to anyone the next day or the next morning on a podcast when I should be giving them more? And so I still try to find that balance because I do agree with you. Like if I'm not doing anything, like I don't want to go out meet someone. I don't want to go like I like I force myself to go out with friends or go see music here in Nashville. Like I really have to consciously do it and put it on my calendar. And people are like, why do you show up all the time? I'm like, if I don't show up like three days a week, I'm not going to do a period because like I'll see it as a waste of time and I'm not moving towards friendship or or being social and I'm not going to do it because it's not benefiting me I won't see it that way and to me benefiting me is always working always trying to be better and excellent and help the people around me and so it's weird because the more that I'm away from relationships the more like the the less the TV's on like I find it when I'm in relationships I spend more time on the TV and Netflix and all that and now that I'm not in them I agree with you it's like you're supposed to be like trying to go out there and be with someone but the opposite is happening like I'm like oh free time work work yeah work (laughs) wait I I well I could get another email done oh I could do another post oh I could reach out to like 30 more people about being on the podcast or you know I could reach out to my business partner about doing more freedom food stuff and what other proteins could we start experimenting with and he's probably dude leave it alone I'm the one who actually actually create the recipes back off dude and uh (laughs) (laughs) but I agree with you like I don't know what it is it's also I think when no one believes in you um, or few people do at first and you have that initial thing where you're trying to prove it and you want to prove it to yourself as well as the world that you don't want to lose that hunger because you're afraid if you lose that hunger you'll lose what you have and the thing is is in today's day and age we know that that's true like if you lose your momentum or you lose your hunger it becomes very hard to get it back so finding relationships that match your wanting to work your ability to work without being a distraction or disruption i think as an entrepreneur like yourself that's very driven and wants to work and wants to succeed and will it's just the relationships have to be weirdly supportive and patient and kind and loving and the person most likely has to be involved in the business to support not to be make decisions because the business has already been built without them at this point but it's um to be involved in and supportive and help out when's needed i think that that's the way that this happens i don't you know because everyone's like oh just go date random people yeah no 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 they do not understand and I hurt people and people aren't going to understand because I just can't commit to the life that they want when I'm running a business. I just, it's not like at the, at four o'clock every day, I turn off my phone and it's happy go lucky. Let's go to soccer practice. Like I could do that and I could say, let's go to soccer practice for two hours. But at eight o'clock when soccer practice is over, I'm going to have to answer emails or calls at some point to catch up. And that's just the way it is as an entrepreneur. It's not always that way, but if you're a growing business, you find times and you turn your days into multiple days, which to most people look like workaholics, but it's not, you're just time blocking your day and you're starting to get organized and you're just using your time efficiently. And you gotta communicate, but there's very few individuals I would say in the world and that live that type of lifestyle and 
Um, the entrepreneur life is a hard life and it takes amazing patience. But I will say to everyone who listens in on the other note is when there's couples or people that find each other or become entrepreneurs together that really make it work, they compound legacy and family entrepreneurism into their families like extremely. So it's worth finding the right person, especially if you're driven like Kelsey is and motivated. But I agree, it takes such a heavy toll. So um, let's talk about the employees or team members that you have. How do you, you mentioned like making sure they're positive and positivity. Like how do you make sure that they're having the a good experience and enjoying their day and their time while they're with you, right? Because they spend more time at work mainly than any other part of their day with anyone. So they're probably spending more time with you than even their own spouses most of the time. Yeah. Um, they're, they're younger. Um, actually, um, I've got in, I think she just turned 19, but she's, um, she's just a freshman in college. Um, and then the other one, um, it's just a couple years older than her. Um, but I've had, um, I've had them for quite a couple years and, um, they always come to work and that's kind of our like prep before service time. Um, and I kind of just check in with them, like seeing how their days, days is going, their day is going, kind of see what their attitude is like. Um, there's some days that are like, Hey, can you cashier for, or can you cashier for me? You know, I'm not, I'm not uh, feeling very peopley today or, um, just kind of see like where they're at if they're, um, if they're ready for, you know, a crazy day or if they're, they're looking for something more mellow, like we'll switch up positions and, um, if someone wants to work on like cooking or something like that or fries or um, pretty much like giving them the option of like where they want to work. Um, and then the pre-service prep time is kind of um, when we do all of our prep and then set up, um, set up both the inside and the outside for production. Um, we kind of do a lot of dance parties. Um, so we get ourselves all excited and stoked and just ready to work and, um, ready to slay the day as we call it um but yeah it's just um making sure that everybody has like a like if their attitude is sour just putting them in like the right position so that we can effectively do our job very cool kelsey you're a really cool person i feel like you and i are very <laughs> similar in a lot of ways and um our stories aren't a not even close to exactly the same, but they're similar in enough ways where I'm like, I can really relate to you. Um, your story is very impactful. And so where do you see the business going from here? Like, what are your hopes and dreams? Do you hope for more trucks? Do you hope for brick and mortar? Like, um, you're obviously developing young talent, so they're going to want to grow hopefully with you. So what does that look like? What are your hopes and dreams? Um, so I've been doing a lot of thinking about a new truck, possibly a much bigger truck than I have now. Um, but I think before that happens, I want to create a brick and mortar, a, a gluten-free kitchen, um, more so like a commissary for myself, um, so that I can, um, fully commit to being a fully gluten-free facility um and then maybe possibly even renting it out to others that are like me that do gluten-free stuff but i think i'm i'm one of the only true gluten-free food trucks in the area um 
So it would just be more so like my, a place for me, like completely me where I don't have to pay rent every month. Obviously I'd pay like a mortgage, but, um, just kind of created to what I want to do. And then in the future, maybe build out and do like a cafe in the front or something like that. And then also have a food truck on the side. Um, but I don't want to do fries forever. I want to do other, um, other things. I think thought about like loaded, not loaded, but like really fat quesadillas, just like rolled up. I don't know, some juicy goodness, but everything would still be gluten-free and we'd still have a lot of options for people that um, can't have dairy or the vegans or anyone pretty much with like a food restriction would be welcomed. Well, and I love this because there's a lot of like, um, we just did an interview with uh, uh, Christy Basu of, um, of guilt-free of eat me guilt free and it's the same idea like the nut allergies the that they're so more more prevalent and a lot of it has to do with the way we process things or we've genetically modified our plants like i can i'll give you an example like i have an extreme reaction to actually potatoes white potatoes i can eat sweet potatoes but my hands will start peeling my elbows and my knees to sweep to white potatoes um and i can eat fries every once in a while when they're fried and like for some reason if they've been soaked it extracts out a lot of the stuff i not as sensitive like i'll get a little bit of peeling in my fingers and my hands but mashed potatoes things like that that are a little more less broken down for some reason um like i really have an allergy so um there's that but also um i have a sensitivity to gluten depending on how it's been processed and so I'm not celiac, but there's, um, I have to be conscious of it, like what bread I eat, how it's been processed, if it's organic or not. Um, I have no problem in Europe, for example, weirdly with bread or, um, but potatoes, I have it everywhere. But the bread, I'm less sensitive to it uh, in other countries that I am here. And it was so bad, like, and it gets, mine's weird because the bread allergy magnifies based on my stress levels. And like the more stressed I am, the more sensitive I become to both. And especially if I accidentally combine both, the more sensitive it is. So I just want to emphasize that this is a very real thing. And the reason it actually happened is not because uh, um, Kelsey's body changed or hers is different. Her body's actually the same as it's always been. It's everyone else's bodies that changed to genetically adjust to what we did to the product. And Anyone that has an allergy, we talk about inflammation from gluten, which is true. It's caused by that modification we did to it. Um, That's my opinion. Everyone can go do their own research and come up with their own opinions. I encourage it. But what I'm telling you is, is when we started to mess around with stuff, of course, it made food better. It made it easier. It made it more sustainable to grow, less um, better able to fight disease and whatever else we have, right? But the problem is, is it's not in the natural form that we're used to consuming it from nature and then modifying it. Our bodies had to adjust, is adjust, are adjusting or not adjusting to the new form that it's in. And that's just the way it is. And sometimes it's as simple as we didn't ever have it in our genetic makeup. Like Italians, like we on, in Naples, we ate a lot more fish and, and stuff like that. So like we actually didn't eat a lot of pasta and gluten, like even though contrary to popular belief, the Southern Italians, it just wasn't part of my diet also. So I'm more sensitive to it, even though you're like, we're Italian and pasta and bread and blah, blah, blah. No, we're, I was in sudden, it was like fish and like 
sheep in like poorness poor poorness like we were eating whatever animal we could get mostly in vegetables and plants we could get out of the ground and actually it was potatoes more than uh pasta and bread most of the time because we were in this the southern stuff so you had a lot of ground rooted vegetables so just traditionally like heritage wise from my family i think that's important to note and i think it's important to note as well for this podcast that it's not necessarily that that it's abnormal it's just that we've changed the way our food is and we've processed it so much and created like simpler ways to make farming faster industrialize it it's the human body just it's not in its natural form exactly the way we need to process it to get the most out of it and when it's not that way it can also cause adverse effects which is reactionary which is high which i had them and I can't imagine what it's like to have them all the time like you had, but the few times I've had them um, in my life in the Benadryl and the panic and the swelling of the throat that I've had once, I just don't even know how like a person lives that way. So one thing that I agree with that became part of the food for me and why I love doing this podcast with you and other people that are in health food is it's so important that we use whole ingredients and we and we do things like you're doing them is be very conscious of what's going in there and what's what the base is. And even if we're buying it, you're very familiar with the product and, and what's going in it and, and how the makeup is. So you don't accidentally hit something that may have negative consequences. So that's my commentary. Um, that's mine, not Kelsey's, just so everyone knows. We didn't even talk about this before the podcast. We sort of just dove right into it. And... But I think it's important to note in all the restaurants and stuff out there and anyone who doesn't have food sensitivity, how it's just going to get worse. Because the more we start scientifically messing around with food, the more we're going to have this. So we're just going to have to be prepared for it. The more egg allergies we're going to have, the more nut allergies we're going to have. It's It's just the way it is. The more we mess with things, the more we mess with them, add pesticides, add outside things that aren't natural that's just what happened so uh it's unfortunate but it is what it is and then there's just i'm allergic to it because i'm allergic to bee stings you know so sometimes we're just allergic to something so yeah i agree um so i'm not can't i'm not saying that everything's on purpose i think sometimes it just happens it's just in our genetic makeup so um kelsey what is uh, as we finish up here, where can they find you online? Um, and where can they find you on your website? And if they're in that area, Chicago, uh, Illinois, Wisconsin area, in that pocket of like, how do they get a hold of you if they want to try you, try your stuff or, or use your services for catering? Oh, heck yeah. So um, I use um, my website for all of my contact information. And we also share uh, where we're going to be. Um, we got calendar of um event location time frame and a little bit about where we're going um i always post the links that um correspond to their websites as well or any event we do um so those are all listed at forkandfry.com otherwise if you're looking for some fun food photos um you can find us at uh fork and fry poutine um either on instagram and um we're on facebook too and I think we're even on Twitter. <laughs> I am. Um, I really appreciate how vulnerable and authentic you are as a human, Kelsey. Um, there's, I can tell that you've been through a lot. 
um, just because how old your soul is and the energy that I feel from you. I feel like there's just, weirdly, I know, I feel like there's a lot of hardship and, and heartache and drive because of it, but there's also like this peace I feel like being near, like talking to you that I'm like, oh, there's someone else out there that's that's like me, that that's driven in the trials and tribulations and you know, sometimes misunderstood, I would feel is a good word, um, feeling, especially when you're dealing with like, why is this happening to me? Isn't life already hard enough? Like, do I need to deal with celiac right now? And, um, <laughs> and, um, and so I can totally feel that, which is why, like, I love doing this podcast. One of the things that comes out of it is by purely the individuals that agree to come on it, they're taking a risk, but there's an energy thing and an understanding that very much the upper echelon of being an entrepreneur um and and it's the willingness to come on here and be vulnerable and and share a story and do it because you want to help other individuals as well as yourself and it's not just about getting more people to your food trailer because i'm in nashville and i don't even know how many users i uh, listeners we have in chicago it's probably a lot but you're doing it because you believe in what we're doing and you wanted to share your story and you're hoping you make impact. And obviously you're hoping people come eat your food. But as we talk about when I send the things out, like we're really doing this to try to share your story because I, I have to tell you, uh, Kelsey, there's probably 10, 20% of the entrepreneurs at least out there in the food space that's story is similar to yours. I mean, there's a lot out there that have family businesses and compound into it, but there's so many more that just have you shouldn't do this or you're a woman in the chef field and it's a man dominated industry or or whatever it is and i don't know if that's your story but i'm using it as an example that how how many hard knocks there are and and while we tell a lot of stories of family legacy compounding down there's a lot of tough love in those situations too just like there's a lot of heartache when you're driven on your own and we're telling Kelsey's story and it seems like it's butterflies and rainbows because she's successful right now or on her way to be quote unquote successful, whatever that means. As she said, it's a journey. I agree with her. It's, um, it's hard and it can be really lonely, especially when you're doing it on your own. And, um, so thank you, Kelsey. And thank you for inspiring everyone and, and sharing your story. Heck Yeah. And uh, I'm going to have Kelsey back on. I'll work with you, Kelsey, and get you back on in, in a few weeks. And I'm going to connect you with the other entrepreneurs that have been on the podcast since they're all we're all sort of running around introducing themselves. I'm, they're collaborating with each other off the podcast. So I want to get you involved with that and the other women that are in there as well because I know women entrepreneurs need women entrepreneurs. And it's good for women to have good friends in their in their support systems, which is men are a little bit different in that way i know i'm just crossing lines here all over the place and so but i'm just going to say what i've seen in my experience and i want everyone to succeed so here's my goal in saying whatever i say i'm going to put anyone in any situation where i feel they can grow from and by exposing kelsey to other entrepreneurs just like i expose myself we all grow from them so and part of it is, yes, there's things that men have that are in common and, and do together. And there's things that women have in common they need to do together. And women entrepreneurs have it a lot harder in a lot of ways and, and maybe easier, someone might argue. I don't argue that. I argue that they need friendship, they need bond, they need support just like men do. We have it naturally because there's more men in entrepreneurism, especially in food, than women. So 
the reason I talk about it on the episode because I'm always trying to connect people, woman, man, women to women, men to men, women and men, and do it all because I think both environments, like co-ed environment, single sex environment, again, I crossed the line there apparently, is probably like to do it. And that doesn't matter what your preferences or whatever. What I'm doing is I'm having relatability to there's certain different obstacles in, in entrepreneurship. And so when someone's had the same obstacle as someone else, or they can relate to someone else, or they can form a bond, or they have a group of people they can rely on, um, it's better. And I will say this, just from being an entrepreneur and working with both women and men, women are just more reliable and they're better communicators generally. Um, I wouldn't say it's one hundred percent true, but they there's just it's more communicative. Um, answers are more direct. Where men we are more we have more ego, and the way we communicate and do things is a little more ego driven versus direct driven. And so that's as well. And that's me stereotyping, and I'm sorry, but um, that's the way I, I generally find it. So um, Kelsey, thank you. I probably should have gone down that road, but. I do think that um, you're an outstanding human. I know it. I shouldn't say I think. Well, thank you. And I really like what we discussed and sort of you gave me a lot of commentary and a lot of things that are really important. And lastly, I really wish you good fortune. I'm looking forward to having you back on. And I like that you've just gone at it so aggressively and without what should I say, without necessarily letting all of the negativity knock down your building, you know, because a lot of people try to knock down your building because they want their building to be the tallest. But I think that you have stayed strong in building your building. And even though people have taken chips away at it, you're still here. So, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for anyone out there, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. You can also find us at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs on Instagram. If you're interested in being on the podcast, you can text us at 610-309-3339 or DM us at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. Thank you, everyone, and we're out.